Welcome back, GPSers, to another edition of the GPS Podcast. I know you are excited to be here, and I really appreciate you listening in on our conversation that we are moving through this first quarter of the year, this series that we're calling Original, Becoming Who You've Always Been. It's a series that is focusing on Genesis 1 and 2 and some important things that Genesis 1 and 2 tell us about us. And the last couple of weeks, that has been especially true as we have looked at issues of identity. And last week and the week before, we looked at the question, what is said about humanity in these opening chapters? And the focus of the last two weeks was to say that the first thing said about you and me is that we are created in the image of God. This is the first and most foundational thing said about you and me. And what I want to do this week and next week is to ask a second question related to the first, and that is, what does God say to humanity? If the last two weeks was about identity, this week and the next will be all about calling. And calling is a very popular word in our world. People wrestle with calling. People wonder about what their calling is. People wonder Are they doing the thing that they're supposed to do? And all of these are really good and important questions. All of these are really valuable things to wrestle with. But Genesis 1 and 2 is important for us to wrestle with because there are some things embedded in our identity as people created in the image of God, people who are created to be image bearers that naturally grow out of that identity and give us some key parts of calling. And what I want to do this week is I want to start with a commercial that we showed in class this week. And for the sake of legal issues, uh, we're not going to play the commercial, but I want to read the script of this commercial. The commercial comes from 2006 or 7. It was a Dodge Ram commercial for the Super Bowl. And imagine as you're listening to this script that a variety of images of men and women, young and old, are on farmland. That, that as this script is read, imagine different snapshots of farmers being presented before you. And as those images are popping up in your mind, this script by Paul Harvey, which in the commercial is done in the Paul Harvey voice, which I will not be doing uh, for this dramatic uh, rendition. Um, I will be using my own voice. But as the images of farmers are flashing in on the screen, this is the script of the words that are overlaid in this commercial. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, and then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. I need somebody with arms strong enough to rustle a calf and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to call hogs, tame, cantankerous machinery come home hungry, have to wait lunch until his wife's done feeding, visiting ladies, and tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die, then dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, 
shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of haywire, feed sacks, and shoe scraps, and who, planting time and harvest season, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon, then, paying from the tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God had to have somebody willing to ride the ruts at double speed to get the hay in ahead of the rain clouds, and yet stop in midfield and race to help when he sees the first smoke from his neighbor's place. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to tame lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets, who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. That'd be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake and disc and plow and plant and tie the fleece and strain the milk and replenish the seed feeder and finish a hard week's work with a five-mile drive to church. Somebody who'd bail a family together with a soft, strong bonds of sharing who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when a son says he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. This is the overlay of the script that is read while these different images of the farmer pop up on the screen. And at the end, there's this big Dodge truck that appears. And there's one line that's written over the truck. It says, to the farmer in us all. Now, the reason I wanted to start with that commercial and to get the image of farming in your mind is because for a lot of people, the farming images and the images of farmers don't come naturally or quickly to us. There's a book written by Parker Palmer many years ago on calling. And what he talks about in that book is how when the Industrial Revolution came in the early 1900s, that America underwent a shift from a very agrarian society, meaning there were a lot of farmers and a lot of gardeners, and that was how a lot of people made their living. But with the Industrial Revolution, there was this new emphasis on the assembly line. And what was created were assembly line workers. So think of the Ford Model T in the early 1900s, that that that's just one of the many shifts signaling that things were changing in America. And with that change in our context, with that change in what we were around regularly, it changes your imagination. It changes how you think about the world and how you think about yourself in the world. And the reason why Parker Palmer talks about this shift is because what he says is, with that shift in our life came a shift in the emphasis in our faith. That what what was once a very agricultural society became a very industrial society. And so these images of gardening and farming, seed planting, reaping, harvesting became less familiar, and things like an assembly line production, and a well-oiled machine, and, and making things in a certain way at a certain time through a certain process so that you get the same thing every time through that process, those industrial metaphors began to shape our imagination. They began to shape how we think about life and how we think about faith. Now, I live in an area where there's still a lot of farming, and so this is not necessarily a shift that has been made in this part of the world that I live in. 
But a lot of people, even who live here, have no real connection with land or gardening or farming. And that shapes how we think about faith. It it shapes how we think about spirituality and the spiritual journey. And it shapes how we think about calling. And what Genesis 1 and 2 do is they tilt in the direction of those very agricultural images. And whether you realize it or not, there's some things that are said in Genesis 1 and 2 that really highlight these themes and ideas of things that we learn from farmers and gardeners that teach us something about ourselves. And so the Dodge commercial had it right when they said to the farmer in us all, there is this truth in it, whether they realized it or not, about who we are, who we're created to be, and what our original calling was. Now, in class, we talked some about the different lessons that we can learn from farmers, lessons about patience, lessons about being selfless, lessons about things not always going your way, even if you do everything right. And I encourage you to kind of consider lessons and the world of gardening and farming and what it has to teach us about life as we jump into Genesis 1 and 2. And specifically, as we jump into Genesis 1, 24 through 31. Again, reminder from last week, this is day six of creation. And, and on this day, humanity is created. And humanity is created in the image and likeness of God. That's what God says about humanity. But God also says some things to humanity that I want us to focus on. So let's hear Genesis 1, 24 through 31. And God said, let the land produce living living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image. In our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, there's a few things that I want to highlight about what God says to humanity, but this week I want to highlight the things that were shared in class because there was a few things that were shared that were just really meaningful and powerful of things that people observed about what God says to humanity, what God says about our calling. So in no particular order, the, the first thing that was highlighted is that God says that we are called to subdue the earth. And there was one person in particular who gave their translation of that, and they used the word caretaker, that we are to be people who take care 
of what we have been given. And then they made this really insightful point. They said that anyone who ever is a master knows that the best masters are always servants. That when you're put in charge of something, when you're given a task and a responsibility, when you're the boss or the manager or in charge, whatever in charge looks like, that you do that the best when you're willing to serve the thing that you're taking care of. That you're a caretaker in the sense that you are serving this thing given to you. And so there's something about our calling that has these echoes to being a servant, these echoes to taking care of what has been given to us. You might think of the word steward, to be a good steward of what has been given to you. Second thing that was mentioned was this phrase, to rule over. This is actually used twice. It's used in verse 26 and used again in verse 28. And one person said that from their translation, they were reading out of the message, that that the way that the message renders it is to take charge or to be responsible. That there is this responsibility that we have with what God has given to us. There's another translation that, that uses the word dominion instead of rule over. And what was noted in class is that the dominion here, if we're thinking about farming, if we're thinking about gardeners, if we're thinking of those organic images, always means there's this posture of love. The the thing that you act out, the thing that motivates you, is ultimately your love for what you're doing, your love for what you have been given. And inherent in what it means to be called by God is about having this motive of love in what we do. And there was another point related to farming, and what I appreciated about class today was was how many connections people were making between the farming gardener images and these images that emerge from Genesis 1. And one person who works with farmers on a regular basis, uh, she talked about how farmers are constantly thinking about legacy. They're constantly thinking about the ripple effect of what they do. Because if there is a stream, upstream, and bad things are put in the upstream, that's going to trickle down or ripple out into the work that that farmer is doing. They realize that that everything they do when they raise crop, there's a ripple effect because people get that food that when they are long gone, that land will still be there to take care of by someone else. And so they're very mindful of legacy. They're very mindful of the ripple effect. And it impacts the nature of the work that they do. And I think that's a helpful reminder that when we think about being called by God, it's never in isolation, but it's always with other people in mind. So there's this idea of being a caretaker, taking care of that which God has given us. There's this idea of having a posture of love towards the thing that you are in charge of or responsible for. And there's also this idea of not reading this calling in isolation, but in the context of community. And God says in verse 26, let us make humankind in our image. So there's this idea of our calling impacting and affecting 
others. And we, we close class with this really meaningful comment by, by someone in our class who is a farmer uh, and, and farms regularly. And he talked about how farming isn't necessarily the best way to make a lot of money, that farmers don't do it for the money, but they do it out of love. And he talked about his own farming and friends of his that were farmers, that, that they did the work because they loved it. They did the work not because of necessarily the money that they would get or the results of what they invested in through their work, but they did it because of love. And I thought that was a beautiful place to end our class, thinking about what it means to be called by God. That what drives us, what motivates us, what, what should animate us is love. The same God who creates the universe out of love puts a calling in us that that also should motivate us and animate us no matter where we are. Those were a few ideas and reflections that were shared in class. And, and where we ended was... In, encouragement and a challenge. And the encouragement was to continue to think about the role of gardening and the role of farming and how those positions and how those roles and responsibilities can help us think about what it means to be people of faith. And the closing challenge was to get outside and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. To go somewhere outside, backyard, back patio, outside at work, and just read through these opening chapters in the context of creation. Because where we read Scripture impacts how we read Scripture. And there are all of these organic and earthy images in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 that may take on some new texture. You may get some new insights simply by reading them in a different context. So I hope you will do that this week. Uh, and next week, we're going to pick up this conversation with part two about original calling. And I want to highlight a few things that I think are embedded in this text that can teach us about what it means for us to be who we've always been and what it means for us to go back to our original calling and do what we were always intended to do. I hope you have a great week. Thanks so much for your time. And we will see you back here next week.